Deep in the farthest recesses of the most distant jungle lies a city. A city populated by the most mysterious, terrifying, and downright grotesque denizens ever seen by mortal eye. Here, in the darkened corners of this cavernous locale sits an ordinary, average brick building with an innocuous, ordinary, average, blinking neon sign which reads, On Air. It is here where each week, Seth Breedlove and Mark Matsky convene to discuss the greatest mysteries the world has ever known. Now, strap on your hiking boots, grab your trusty walking stick, and don't forget the bug spray as we begin our journey through Monsteropolis. This is Monsteropolis, a show about anomalies, legends, and monsters. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Seth Breedlove, joined as always by my pal, Mark Matsky. Howdy. Hey. Um, quick disclaimer, the audio quality, as you could probably tell by Mark's howdy, uh, is howdy. not going to be as good as it has been for the last few weeks. We're still doing everything remotely, and uh, this week I don't have my laptop, so... We're recording from my phone, so you're. This is what you're dealing with. Um, we have two cans with string in between. That's actually true. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, before we get into the show, we have things to talk about. Uh, first of all, I know we have a, a letter that came in in the mail. We're going to read that, and um, beyond that. Uh, really quickly, wanted to mention that there is a, an On the Trail of UFOs DVD sale launching at some point, vaguely soon. I'm not positive about when she's launching that, but keep an eye on the STM web store if you've been looking to buy the DVD or Blu-ray. Um, and uh, as long as we're on the topic of On the Trail of, uh, it's probably worth mentioning here. Uh, that we'll be doing an announcement in the next week or so, but um, on the trail of Bigfoot uh, begins filming again at the end of this month with Mark and myself uh, and some other STM peeps. Uh, and we'll be going on a, what do they call it? Is that the, I mean, it's kind of an East coast thing. I don't know if there's like, is that the North? That's not the North coast, right? Is it? I don't know. No, I don't think so. Okay, it's not the <laughs> North Coast. Um, we're gonna we're gonna be doing a, a, a trip, and there's gonna be there's gonna need to be some sort of episode that comes out or or something where we talk about the new formatting for on the trail of Bigfoot. But basically, the easy way to put it is we're just sort of reverting, or not reverting, but we're resorting to releasing on the trail of Bigfoot going forward, pretty much the same way we did with on the trail of Bigfoot, uh, the legend and the search on Amazon. Uh, the new series, uh, is not going to be a series anymore on the trail of Bigfoot will be, um, basically, uh, lengthy films that are sort of episodic. Each will be released individually. The first one will be coming out, in 2021 and it's called uh on the trail of bigfoot the journey and then we have three more already planned that will follow that 
um, at indeterminate times, but there will be more than one coming out next year. So there's going to be multiple on the trail of Bigfoot's coming out. Uh, and there'll be um, extensive and, and, and uh, maybe a little different from the first series. Maybe not. I'm not sure yet. You're never sure until we get into post-production. So, uh, but the first trip I can tell you will involve the Adirondacks and a return to Whitehall as well as um, Maine, the beautiful state of, of Maine. Um, that we'll be we'll be heading out uh, at the end of this month for a lengthy on the trail of shoot. Um, so we're I think we're both probably excited about that. Honestly, uh, on the trail of the Lake Michigan Mothman is still coming as well later this year. We're kind of waiting for Illinois to open back up. Right now, Illinois is still pretty locked down, so we we have yet to be able to to go shoot that um, film, but it it will be coming. Um, okay, so we have a. Did you have anything you wanted to say about on the trail of Bigfoot? Yeah, you know what? This is, this will be my first trip to Whitehall. Yes, isn't that, isn't that wild? Yeah, I had thought I mean, of Andy's that. Andy's been there. You guys have been there multiple times. Yeah, but this, it's my first Whitehall experience, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and if you're a Beast of Whitehall fan, I think you'll like this uh, little adventure because. Um, you're going to see some familiar faces uh, that, that were involved in Beast of Whitehall that will be in this on the trail of Bigfoot uh, when it comes out sometime next year. You'll see Mark and I will talk about the trip on this show, but um, you'll see some updates while we're there too. So I'm sure you'll see who we're interviewing. And if you liked on the trail of Bigfoot one and Beast of Whitehall, you'll be happy with what you start seeing coming in from the behind the scenes uh, of this trip. Um, but basically the good thing is like each trip is going to basically be its own, you know, on the trail of, of Bigfoot film. Um, so we're, we're just sort of tinkering with the format of on the trail of on the trail of UFO season two is still coming and that will still be episodic, but on the trail of Bigfoot is, is basically just sort of reformatting to not, it's not really reformatting. It's just that on the trail of Bigfoot was originally episodic. It was filmed episodically and then edited into two movies um, that were put on Amazon. So this is going to just be filmed for the movie um, rather than filmed or edited in any sort of episodic fashion. Uh, or you can consider the long form uh, films as episodes if you want, because they are going to be interconnected, uh, but they're going to be released as a, as a long form film individually. I don't think that's too complicated. Maybe it is. I don't no. know. Um, uh yeah, so I'm pumped to take you there. Actually, well, the, the original idea was <laughs> the original idea was to do recreations, a town hall meeting, mm-hmm. a night investigation. Yes, uh, a rave, time. a rave in the woods. <laughs> a rave. Um, yeah, so we uh, we thought better. Yeah, we t- we changed our mind. No, I mean we've been wanting to get back to the the Adir- I've been wanting to get back to the Adirondacks. I wanted to do it for on the trail of Bigfoot, quote unquote, season one. Um, and it just didn't fit into the, the overarching plan. And I'm glad now that it didn't happen because this is going to be, a, a, a this basically gives it its own, um, you know, place in the series and we'll get to spend a lot more time there. I mean, there's so much that goes on up in that area, um, that it's going to be exciting to go out in the woods with, you know, some people who know what they're doing and who've actually had experiences up there and uh see if we can finally find bigfoot 
I tell you, if I had a sighting anywhere, I'd want to have a sighting in either Ohio or Whitehall. Like those are the two yeah. places where I, I would most want to actually see something for myself. So I'm pumped. Um, yeah. And you, you have a, a letter. Do you want to read the letter? Okay. I will do that. All right. This is from Derek. Hi, Seth and Mark. Sorry in advance for the super long email. It's not that long, really. I'm a longtime fan of both Sasswood and Monsteropolis and have backed all, I think, of the STM Kickstarter projects. Your podcasts and movies are always insightful and interesting and address pop culture, rural histories, and storytelling in a way that's really unique for cryptid shows. Thanks for that. With all this time stuck at home, I took one of Seth's suggestions from some time back and started scouring old newspapers for Harry Man reports and found one I was completely unfamiliar with, the Dewey Lake Monster reports from 1964. Have you guys talked about this one before? It checks all the boxes of details from modern sightings, but at a fairly early date. It seems like early descriptions of sightings mention one or two details, but this one hits them all. In the unlikely event you're unfamiliar with it, here are the basics. Three girls, aged 12 to 13, report seeing a nine-foot-tall monster on a wooded road in Silver Creek Township near Dewey Lake in Michigan. One girl faints, but the other two get a good look at the creature, which they describe as having a black, leathery face and covered in long hair. They report the sighting to the police who search the area but find nothing. The story gets picked up nationally, and the area is besieged by armed men and trucks that trample crops and cause havoc, but are otherwise unable to find the creature. Local businesses start selling monster burgers and monster sodas to capitalize on the sighting. Sounds familiar, right? Here's where it gets interesting. A June 12, 1964 article from the Times of Shreveport, Louisiana, titled Monster Again Seen in Michigan Woods, reports on this and previous local sightings with some really interesting details, including there's a history of sightings in the area. It had been hiding it had been seen hiding and peering out from behind bushes and trees. It had large shining eyes. There were reports of it hitting the side of a house. It was known for mimicking sounds, specifically a baby's cry. It attacked dogs. This is the first account I can think of that has a pretty comprehensive list of what we typically associate with modern sightings. I'd be really interested to hear where you think this one lands historically. The dog attack part of this is interesting. The article mentions that a woman's dog chased the creature and came back with a blue eye that later returned to normal. My guess is that the dog was hit with great force in the head, causing a corneal ulceration, which might cause the eye to appear bluish and which can heal in a few days. In the June 12, 1964 issue of the South Bend Tribune, in an article titled Dewey Lake Monster is Non-Existent, experts proclaimed it to be a bear or a gorilla. Interestingly, the article mentions a Cass County conservation officer named William Rowe who investigated the story. Rowe counters that there were no bears in Cass County and scoffs at the gorilla theory, but gives no suggestions for what it could be. Curiously, monster bear reports turn up again in 1972, south of Cass County in Park County, Indiana. The October 1st, 1972 South Bend Tribune reports that a 10-foot-tall beast was reported to have disemboweled two dogs and a pig, and 21-inch tracks were found and identified as bear tracks. For reference, according to scienceing.com, an 800-pound brown bear leaves 16-inch tracks. 
Again, a local wildlife management officer is quoted as saying it can't be a wild bear because they disappeared a century before. Here, article author Ray Gard adds an interesting editorial. His statement that there aren't any bears in Indiana might draw an argument. I have a neighbor in Lytic who insists that something is stirring up his dogs like nothing else can do except a bear. It comes out only at night, he says, then the dogs get to bellowing so loud you can't hear yourself think. This sounds very similar to Minerva. I'm really curious to hear your take on these sightings. It sounds like Dowagiak, the town closest to the sightings, tried to capitalize on the incident, but I don't know to what extent. A few shows have covered the sightings, but for me at least, the modern telling of them appears to have lost a lot of the Sasquatchiness of the original reports. Thanks again for all your hard work. Totally looking forward to the Mothman Legacy, Mark of the Bell Witch, and your Ape Canyon movie. And that's signed, Derek. Um, <clears throat> let me see here. Sorry, I, I swapped off my... The audio quality on this is crazy bad. It's not on your end. It's I'm pretty sure it's on my end. It has something to do with bluetooth or something it's it keeps like slowing down and then you catch up and it's like you shift from slow motion into fast motion oh yeah and it's happening constantly um there's no way i can since i'm on my phone it won't let me like adjust the quality either switch off your video let me see if it if that like just changes anything hopefully i remember to Edit this All time. right, it is off. Okay, keep talking. All right, so that is the Dewey Lake. What's no port. different? Oh. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the exact same. Um, wow. I don't know what to do because the quality is so bad. I'm concerned we're going to get complaints that it sucks. <clears throat> and at the same time, I don't really have an alternate plan right now. So you can switch mm-hmm. your video back on. There's nothing I can do. Okay. I guess this is just going to have to be the crappy call call quality episode. Um, yeah. Dewey Lake is, you said it's Shreveport, near Shreveport? You you well, mentioned the Shreveport. Thing is, it, uh, yeah, the story got picked up in a Shreveport newspaper, but it's Michigan. I mean, the, it's Dewey Lake, Michigan is the location in Cass County. Okay, so he found an article from Shreveport that picked up information from somewhere else in Michigan. Yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I took a quick uh, jaunt through this case at some point because the name was familiar to me, but I couldn't I couldn't recall um, much of this. So um, it's a cool story. I don't know anything about it, and I also don't know how far it is from like Monroe, um, which is one of my right. favorites. But yeah, you're a Michigan boy. Have you? I'm assuming mm-hmm. you've heard of this and probably know mm-hmm. the monster. Yeah, actually, no. I mean, this is the first that I've heard of this particular story, which is, you know, and in some ways at first when I heard it, it, um, I was wondering if it somehow was conflated with the Monroe story, Uh but then as the details unfold, it seems pretty clear that it's, it's two separate, separate things. Right. So, um, and they're fairly far apart from one another, although they're almost exactly on a east-west parallel. So, you know, Monroe is right on uh, the lake. Mm-hmm. If you were to get in a car and head almost directly west, just a little bit to the northwest, you'd ultimately end up in the Dewey Lake area, which is more 
um, south central Michigan. Um, just for name game purposes, right nearby, there is a Manitou Beach Devil's Lake mm-hmm. that is almost exactly adjacent to this Dewey nice. Lake area. So for those who are into the name game, there's something going on there as well. So yeah, no, I, I had ha- I've never heard of this before this letter, which is very intriguing to me. And, um, it's interesting that it's, you know, early teenage witnesses. Yeah. I guess that also some similarities to Monroe with that. Um, right. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Good, good, good letter. I mean, I love stuff like this. So this is, this is one of those cases that I'm going to have to look into, I think at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, you know, the, I guess the, the most intriguing part of it for me is how, like we mentioned before the Shreveport thing, you know, here, here's a story about a Bigfoot sighted in Michigan that gets picked up by a Louisiana newspaper. that seems to have details in it that the, even the reports from Michigan didn't mention. So it just begs the question, you know, where do those details come from? Cause mm-hmm. it, it's a newspaper report. They're probably not citing their sources right. necessarily. Right. <laughs> so it just, I, you know, it makes me, well, I mean, they are, they're very, the, the point of the letter that Derek makes, and it's a good one, is that some of these details are mentioned, um, seem like fairly early on in, in Bigfoot reporting that like, especially the, the baby cry mimicking and attacking mm-hmm. of dogs. Yeah. The dog thing is, is this is 64. Yeah. Right. Yeah, this is um, this is also around the time that some of those initial Falk monster reports were happening. That's why when you said Shreveport, I was confused because I mm-hmm. know I read this, but I guess I had forgotten the Michigan thing. But you said Shreveport, and I was thinking that's around the same time that some of the the initial Falk monster stuff started up. Yeah, I don't know that that stuff was being reported on though, like in papers. Right. But um, super super cool story. And that's not, that's- not far removed from Jerry crew and, you know, Bigfoot being coined. Yeah. 50, term, 57 really. is where all that really kicks off. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, this is, this is good. Send us more of this type of stuff. This is the, exactly. We should do some more reading into this and kind of do an, an yeah. episode on this or something. You're looking at rogues hollow. I'm walking along a stretch of Clinton road here, just South of Doylestown. And about a hundred years ago or so, you wouldn't do this. You just wouldn't walk through here by yourself. That's because this area was filled with coal miners who came from places like Scotland and Wales. Men who liked to work hard and play hard. And they also brought with them a fondness for some fantastic stories. For example, there used to be an old oak tree here at the corner of Frays and Clinton Roads, and legend has it that one night a runaway horse ran blindly here into a low branch killing him instantly. People said they saw the ghost of this stallion coming back to that same area, searching for his head. Or he, then he was a, the ghost of the headless horse. The same tree crops up in yet another story, this time a farmer heading home from Clinton late at night who saw another phantom. And in the gathering twilight, he could see two red fiery eyes up in this tree up above the branch and the ghost oak 
and he looked more closely, and then he could see that behind these eyes, there was the devil sitting on this branch above the tree. This is a replica of the Chittister Mill built by the Rogue's Hollow Society. The original was said to be haunted by the ghost of this man, an employee there who was accidentally crushed by the water wheel. So naturally, a group of boys couldn't resist sneaking into the closed mill back in the 1800s through a small hole for a little ghost busting of their own. Pretty soon they could see a face up in the cobwebs, up in the corner of the room. And somebody else, someone said, it is the ghost. And whereas those boys had come in that little hole one at a time, it looked seemed as if they went out all at once. Another hollow legend is that of Crybaby Bridge, but there's little evidence to support that story, even if it is a scary one. And it's a standard story in many places in the world uh, where the, uh, the young unmarried girl uh, is ashamed of her baby and at uh, midnight she tosses it over the bridge into the water and uh, the baby is drowned. And it's uh, always a, uh, a popular place at, at Halloween because of the uh, uh, traditions and legends that come down from the uh, superstitious stories. But uh, we uh, haven't had too much uh, uh, success in, um, in going down there and, uh, and finding these original ghosts. They're, uh, they're much, they seem to be uh, pretty well locked in the book anymore. Holden says people don't seem to be much interested in hollow history anymore, so the stories are slowly fading, leaving only a faint air of mystery about the rogues who used to All right. in hollow. This episode is called uh, Rogues Hollow. We're going to talk about Rogues Hollow, I guess. Um, quick backstory on how I... So I've... I, I live in Wayne County, or not Wayne County, but on the border with Wayne County in Medina County in Ohio uh, in a town called Wadsworth. Nearby is a little far, I guess you'd call it like a farming community. I don't know what else you drew. I mean, it's a really small town called Doyle's Town. Um, right right down the road from, from where we live, from Wadsworth. And um, <clears throat> for those that are are interested mark has mentioned doyle's town before in passing when he was talking about the peninsula python in the show that will come up again later in this episode hopefully you have some information on that because i got nothing i have i have managed to find one piece of information per- pertaining to it but but nothing else but anyway um okay. uh so doyle's town right down the road for a long time since moving into the area in fact almost as soon as i moved into the area i would hear about rogues hollow and and i i didn't hear anything else regarding rogues hollow i just heard people ask me if they found out what i do for a living or found out about small town <laughs> monsters they would ask are you make gonna make a movie about rogues hollow i didn't know what it was wow. um <clears throat> yeah so we um a few years ago uh you know i i saw a friend online had gone to rogues hollow on like a ghost hunt. So I, I was aware that there was that kind of activity connected with it. Um, but it, it, my first experience with rogues hollow was just a few weeks ago, actually not a few weeks at this point, it's probably like a month and a half ago, right when the, um, the uh, lockdown. So maybe more like two and a half months ago, the right mm. when the lockdown kicked off, uh, I was on a drive, which I was doing at the time to clear my head because most of the time we were just sitting around uh, our house. Uh, I went for a drive and I wound up. Um, I, I kind of got lost. I got off of t- 21, turned down this road, turned down another road. And Wayne County, 
is where I was. And Wayne County is uh, very, it's farmland. I mean, it's like, to me, Wayne County is the gateway to the Midwest, like your classic sort of like Illinois mm-hmm. looking Midwest. And um, it, it's that kind of terrain. But all of a sudden I found myself down in this, um, this holler, uh, a hollow uh, that looked every bit mm-hmm. like I was in West Virginia. And, and I seriously, for a minute was kind of s- spooked. I was like, did I like, did I, am I, did I go through a, am I in another dimension? Cause it was bizarre. Like I'm driving next, like in, in a, in a neighborhood one, literally in a neighborhood one minute. And the next second I rounded a bend, I left the neighborhood rounded a bend and I was down in this holler and I'm driving yeah. uh, through here and I couldn't figure out where I was. And all of a sudden I saw a sign that said, uh, Chippewa nature preserve and rogues hollow historical society. And I thought that was pretty cool. I realized where I was, but the road was closed. Mm-hmm. You couldn't turn onto the road. Apparently it was flooded out. So you couldn't turn on the, onto the road. So I kept going and, uh, uh, I did eventually find a really cool spot down the road, not far down the road and turned around and thought I got to film a movie out here sometime. Cause it's like the perfect kind of, it's very different sort of terrain from what we're used to. So, um, <clears throat> I was, I, I, a couple months passed. I actually had gone looking for this place again and couldn't find it. Um, couldn't find it on GPS or anything and couldn't find it. And, um, then more recently within the last like three weeks, uh, my wife found it on her phone and guided us there. And we found, uh, we found the hollow and it was, it's great. Like I can't recommend it enough to anyone that wants to go for like a cool, like little nature walk, or I hesitate to call it a hike because it's not very long. Um, but it's a nice little like nature preserve. Uh, they have a, a replica of the old mill, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, and it's just a really cool spot. It does not look like you're in Ohio. Uh, if you can ignore the neighborhood that actually sits on top of one of the hills uh, nearby, you'll be convinced you are in West Virginia or you've stepped back in time. It's a really strange sensation going to the spot. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Also of note, Silver Creek runs right through the the park. Of course, Silver Creek uh, runs all the way up to um, Norton area and into Silver Creek Metro Park, which is where Adam and I like to go looking for the Silver Creek dog man whenever he's he's up in the area, which is a real thing. Um, Or, you know, there, there have been people in the area that claim to have witnessed the Silver Creek dog man. So, so rogues hollow. Yeah. Um, is an area that uh, I, I want to talk about the history of it. Cause this is what um, I've gotten into more recently. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's a, um, I, I have a whole article here. I hesitate to read it. It's a little lengthy. I, l- let me read like first couple paragraphs and then I'll just segue sure. into some of the other stuff. But um, rogues hollow wasn't always known for the rough characters and legends that surround this area. When Samuel Chidester moved his family here in 1828, he called it pleasant Valley, a drive through the Valley or a walk on the trails at the rogues hollow historical society property will show that he aptly named it. It also had several other names in the 1840s. It was called Peacock village and Peacock hollow. The Indians called it Niabara, which means beautiful Valley over time though. The name rogues hollow was adopted. In 1840, the first commercial coal mine was opened by David Gale House, one half mile west of the hollow. Between 1840 and 1945, there are at least 103 commercial coal mines in the vicinity of Doylestown, 
which prospered from coal mining. Many of the men who had worked building the Ohio and Erie Canal came to the hollow to work in the coal mines. The coal was transported out of Doylestown by Ohio Canal, and after the flood in 1913, it traveled by rail. Uh, it goes on and talks about like how much the miners made and stuff. But but um, mm-hmm. so so the some interesting facts about the the history of this this mine um, or the, the the hollow. It, it was so there's a kind of a Mothman connection here. It was largely these mines and and even the people that settled in the area were largely Scotch Irish. Um, there's a lot of uh, I, I, Irish folklore connected with the place. Um, it was from 1840 uh, into the 1950s. It was all coal mines. Um, and there was a town down in the holler, the hollow. Um, and the people the most, mostly it was uh, the people that lived or that worked in the coal mines that lived down here. But it, at one time it was known as the most lawless town in Ohio. Um, mm-hmm. It was uh, on, on weekends. They worked six day, six day weeks and on weekends, uh, you know, basically Saturday and Sunday night, it was, uh, a quite a wild scene from everything I understand. There were fights and, you know, people getting shot in the streets and all sorts of fun stuff. Um, the, there is a book, uh, I can't remember the author's name. There's a book called rogues hollow history and legends or something to that effect. Uh, and they actually have it. You can check it out here at the local Wadsworth library it oh, is no kidding yeah it's very difficult to find a copy of it for cheap now you can find right now there's one on amazon that's used in acceptable condition for 42 dollars um wow but it you know it's a it, it it was reprinted in 2003 but it was originally printed in like 1957 so it's been a mm-hmm. while uh since the book came out but the so uh I guess what, what given the, the nature of the show, uh, what we really want to talk about is the fact that after sort of after the town ceased to exist, the legends seem to grow up around it. Now there are a number of legends. And if you go online and you look up, like I've got the weird U S website pulled up, um, the, the most famous ones that come up, are uh, there's a gray lady that supposedly haunts the the grounds. There's a crybaby bridge. Um, mm-hmm. There's okay. So my favorite is uh, the horse. Uh, or oh be. yeah. So this is this is one of the the unique aspects of this place is it's got numerous legends connected with it. There's a ghost train, and I'm going to read a, a story that was sent to me by a friend of mine who claims to have seen the ghost train. Um, and she she sent me her story. Um, so there's, there's tons of legends connected with this place. I cannot, if you're in Ohio or even out of the state, but close enough, I can't recommend going here enough. Like it's really a cool spot. Um, Mm -hmm. and if you can read up on it beforehand, you'll have a lot more to go do and see than just what's at rogues hollow. Cause there's, there's all sorts of little spots where you're, you know, where the, the legends come to life supposedly. So, um, Mm -hmm. so the, the, the story of the headless horse is that uh, at, at some point there was a, there used to be an old oak tree that hung over Gale House Road, which is a very, um, the road starts at the top of this hill and then comes down around this insane turn. And then right at the bottom of the hill is Chidester Mill. And you would, mm-hmm. the road jogs right and it goes over Crybaby Bridge and then it ends. Gale House Road is probably not even a quarter mile long. Like it's a very short road. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and Rogue's Hollow itself is not big. So when you're when you're coming here, don't expect this to be some massive park, sprawling park, or or anything like that. It's yeah. not. Um, it's uh, it's about the size of a small metro park, very small metro park. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the road, we actually just filmed a scene on this road the other night um, without a permit, just just for the record. Um, <laughs> Late at night, too, uh, we did not experience the headless horse. So, so there used to be a, an old oak tree that hung o- right around the corner uh, as you're coming down the hill. There used to be an old oak tree there, uh, and the branch was so low that when you came around the corner, you had to lower your head so you didn't hit, you know, like the the branch. And supposedly, one time there was a uh, horse and buggy coming down the hill. The horse was at full gallop, came around the bend and sheared its own head off and um supposedly you know to this day people see the headless horse uh roaming around rogue's hollow looking for its head its lost head now interesting side story here there's also the legend that the horse now when it is seen is ridden by the devil himself so i don't know when that particular element was added to the legend but, um, you know, there's this, that's like one of the most common stories you're going to see when you look up Rogue's Hollow legends is that there's a, a headless horse roaming around Rogue's Hollow with the, uh, with the devil riding on his back. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the devil part is in Fry's book. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's nice. Yeah, I have that here. Okay. Great. Wanna... Yes. Read. Okay. So is a fellow named Mickey Walsh is reporting the story in Rogue's Hollow History and Legends. Guess I just sat there and didn't move for quite a spell. I was sort of numb, just like the mules. You think I'm fooling. It was the devil himself. His eyes were gleaming like balls of fire. Weeks later, I was in Clinton with some friends who knew about my meeting with the devil. They said they'd like to meet him too. We drove over the same road and up the same hill. We saw the headless horse under the oak. When we got closer, we saw the devil with those bright red eyes mounted on the horse. Then, in an instant, the headless horse was gone in a cloud of dust. We just stood there as the hoofbeats sort of faded away. I was glad that my buddies were with me and saw the same thing as I did. It kept me from thinking that I had been seeing things. The devil was there that night, riding the headless horse. All right, well, well, that's great. Do you, do you, have, do you have... Do you have anything pertaining to the to the snake, to the giant python? Oh, I do. Okay. Yeah. So can we set this up? So, okay. So let me, here's a whole article that was in the post about experience the horrors of Rogue's Hollow. Um, oh. So Mark had mentioned a long time ago something about Doylestown. And he mentioned it on this show because I remember addressing the fact that Doylestown's right down the road from here. And I thought that was interesting. I went to Rogue's Hollow. I posted some photos, and someone commented in the in the f- photos, you know, be on the lookout for the giant python or whatever. And I was like, I wonder if that is somehow connected to the Peninsula Python, the case of the Peninsula Python, because I remembered Mark m- making reference to there being sightings of the Peninsula Python in Doylestown. So maybe now you can set the record straight about this. Yeah. It's really fascinating, and this is because of the research that I was permitted to do at the Peninsula Historical Society, where they have all this stuff just sitting around in files. Um, This was taken from 
the Cleveland Press newspaper dated August 27th, it looks like, 1945, reporting that uh, there was, it's Robert Bordner, you know, who is the kind of the single-handed launcher of the Peninsula Python story, Mm -hmm. and he's reporting on a photograph that he found which displays a 13 and a half foot python that was found dead near Doylestown, Ohio on May 1st, 1944. Hmm. And so he traces the story in this particular article back through um, the, the work of another reporter named Mary Louise Donnelly of Hudson, who did some own investigative work of her own. And um, I'll just pick up, well, first of all, Yes, here it is. Through patience and detective work, Donnelly has gained the admission of employees of the Cole Brothers Circus that they lost not one, but two pythons south of Akron last spring. She told about it in the Hudson Times. This, for the first time, would clear up the minor mystery surrounding the source of the 13-foot snake found dead near Doylestown, May 1st, 1944. No native Ohio snake ever grows longer than six feet, according to the Museum of Natural History, and the Doylestown snake measures... 13 and a half feet. It never attracted so wide attention as the 19 foot companion that ranged the peninsula area all last summer and fall because it was found dead. The Doylestown snake was quote unquote old Samson. The circus employees told Mrs. Donnelly and it's accompanied by a, a (laughs) it's especially sad if you see the photo because it's just a dead snake stretched out and let's see like nine individuals standing in front of it, all named, including like a teenage boy. So it's got the, you know, it has the trappings of actual reporting. Uh, Donnelly is named. You have an, you have a real photograph of what appears to be a big, long dead Python. And, you know, it's connected to the circus, which is the origin story for the Peninsula Python that they would have been, released at approximately the same time. Hmm. And for whatever reason, the peninsula snake survived longer than the Doylestown snake did. So I, you know, the idea that there is a giant snake story associated with Doylestown is entirely, you know, it has a historical precedent, mm-hmm. you know, where there's documents that we can point to and say, um, well, there's a, there's at least a historical reason for that because it was, in the press in the 1940s. Now, is that the same snake that was being referenced in the comment? I don't know. That's, but there, there's a link there for sure. The post calls rogues hollow. One of the most, uh, t- uh most terrifying places in America. It seems like a stretch. I, wow. I was out in the <laughs> literally sitting in the woods by myself for about five minutes the other night while Aaron turned the car around and I was not really, hit with anything all that terrifying there's another uh story here on weird us and maybe you can tell me if you have more info about this because you seem to have all the info about do you have the book then do you have the, the frame i do not have the book i'm looking at weird ohio okay. volume okay that's that kind of all these quotes in it okay yeah. i'm i have weird ohio here but i don't have it in front of me right now i'm looking at the weird us book uh there's a story so there is a story about the gray lady that's why i was asking you this i wondered if you had an origin for the gray lady but this is a sort of a ghost story uh 
an account by someone that came into Rogue's Hollow and claims to have encountered the Grey Lady. As a teenager, my friends and I spent a lot of time in the Hollow. It was a great place to take girls when you were broke. Rogue's Hollow almost never had any cops patrolling it then. I had a couple of scary things happen there. Once, me and my friend Scott were driving through, and I suddenly got this very strange feeling, aside from being high, that we had somehow driven into another time. We were heading into the hollow coming from Clinton. I swear I saw saw an old Model T Ford sitting by the road. No big deal. But then Scott says, it seems like we're in another time or something, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) And I thought maybe he was trying to make a joke at first because of the old car. But I really did feel strange. So I agreed. Yeah, I said, it's like we're back in the 20s or something. I actually had goosebumps. Then at one point in the road, there was a field beside it and the foundation to an old building. I actually know where he's talking about right here. I had been looking at Scott when I was speaking to him, and he had looked out the windshield and was looking at something with his mouth hanging wide open. I looked, and moving beside the old foundation toward the road was what looked like a woman in an old-time dress. She was moving very quickly, too fast for a human, and she seemed to be like light and shadow in one. Very bizarre, like a very light gray color. She moved into the middle of the road in front of us and then vanished. I wasn't going to be the first one of us to say what I had just seen because I was still paranoid, so I didn't speak. But he asked me if I had seen that woman run into the road. We both saw the same thing at the same time. I think it was a ghost. The thing is, the only woman ghost I've ever heard about is the one at Crybaby Bridge, which is by the Historical Society building. We were still about four miles from there. And people don't claim to see her as much or as hear her and her baby crying. So there's my ghost's hollow, rose hollow story for whatever it's worth. It might just be an overactive imagination, but I think it was a ghost. Um, I don't, I couldn't find much information on the gray lady, um, but there are these foundations that he talks about are all around the area, uh, including Mm -hmm. right down by the, the historical society, um, there there are foundations of what were once seven this is what i've just there used to be seven saloons um down in rogues hollow and on the weekends like those were the the places that were jumping now there's only Mm -hmm. i think there's only two where you can see where they once were um if you go down there today you'd never know there was anything there other than forest like you can't see foundations or anything but you do you can find one of the foundations still down there and then i think there's actually still a building that's been sort of demolished but it's still there's still remnants of that around and these these buildings are are around the area so you can kind of see the history of what was once there um the other thing i want to mention real quick uh is the unless you had information on the gray lady i don't know well, I just thought it was extremely interesting as you were reading. There is a very condensed version of that in the Weird Ohio book, but it, it excises all of the the drug references <laughs> and the references to the friend in the car. Oh, okay. So it, it breaks it. So it's about probably 10 lines long okay. on, an, on a left-hand column. So it really, it's super condensed. And the other information that you have adds a lot. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So the other thing I'll say real quick in reference to like the taverns that you were talking about, as I was learning a little bit about Rogue's Hollow, what I found interesting too was the parallels that exist between Rogue's Hollow and Peninsula's history, Mm -hmm. strictly in the sense of the 
you know, there's a uh, economic boom that brings all these workers into the area and it turns into sort of a lawless zone Mm because Peninsula had that in its history as well, except the industry was the canal instead of coal. So, but you, you know, Peninsula is well known for being, it's sort of the same thing. Like, a. Uh, lots of inns and more taverns than anything else and a few smattering of churches, but by and large it was, um, you know, the, the, with the money came uh, a whole bunch of different people trying to get the money. And I, I just thought it was interesting, sort of historically intriguing to see the parallels between the two locations, just with, yeah. in the case of Rogue Hollow, it was coal. And, and probably related to the canal in the sense that the canal transported the coal, probably. I mean, once it was mined, it went to the, the boats. Um, well, I, ha- I also have some information on that. I mean, I know that the trains carried the coal. So there's a train there. I, apparently, so today there's oh, yeah. a, a really massive train track nearby. Um, it's like four, okay. four tracks. It's very large. Like when you drive over, it's a little scary because I mean, it's, I've never seen that big of a train. I don't know what you would call it, but like it's a train crossing. It's a railroad crossing, but like four Mm. tracks. Um, Now, Mm -hmm. apparently that track used to be one track and it ran right through Rogue's Hollow. I I believe I know where, I believe you can still see where the train would have, where the original track would have run. But the legend goes that today you can still hear the, the ghost train. You can still hear the train. um, Yeah on on the track and sometimes you can see the light moving through the through the, mm-hmm. through the woods okay so so that's interesting but it would be it'd be a steam train that would be heard i guess obviously yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um okay so i was watching a, a a youtube video uh and this was i really wish let me you know while i'm talking about this i'm going to try to find it because i want to give this guy uh, a reference um since it was such a, a an interesting video. Tommy's been watching the Top Gun Maverick trailer on repeat, and that's pretty much all I'm seeing in my history right now. Um, oh, wait, mm-hmm. here it is. Okay, it's um, it's going to be one of these two. Okay, it's The Legend of Rogue's Hollow. Uh, if you look on YouTube, it's The Legend of Rogue's Hollow by Rick's Nerd Life. And Rick went to the tracks and actually tells a story about his... I believe it was his dad. It might've been an uncle, but I think it was his dad that actually claimed to have seen the ghost train at the tracks. And he claimed what happened is, and, and I read this other where uh, other places, this is sort of the legend of what happens is you go to the tracks and as you're crossing the tracks in your car, your car will stall stall. You'll hear a train coming. You look, there's a light bearing down on you. And before you know it, uh, the, the the train disappears and your car will restart. So that's the legend oh. of the ghost train. Now, I have a friend, Katie, who claims to have seen it. Um, so she actually sent me a, an account of what happened. Uh, and this also fills in some some details on the ghost rider uh, or the devil. The de- well, Okay, I'll just read. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so we hung out. Okay, this is her. This is her. Yeah, so we hung out down there all the stinking time. We would go like around 10 or so right after dark because if you, if you were down there too late, the cops would always hassle you. So we would see who could drive the fastest around what they called the Devil's Triangle. It's that really weird area with three stop signs and a triangle patch of grass in the road. That's literally right outside of 
Chidester Mill, the, the historical society mm-hmm. area, by the way. Um, people always said if you went around so many times chanting something like Satan that the devil appears on a horse. Not sure on that one, but we were teenagers and always did it. So we were doing that, and when we were done, we stopped the car and rolled up the windows. Then we started hearing a train, and we were like, let's run down the field and go put pennies on the track. You could hear it getting closer and closer, but we couldn't see lights, so we were like, what the heck, what direction is this thing coming from? We stood there, and all of a sudden, the train horn was blaring in our ears, and the wind was rushing by us like a train was going through, but we saw nothing. We just stood and stared at each other, looking at one another like, is this real life? Like, we couldn't figure it out. Two minutes later, it's all over, and my and, and I knelt down. Our pennies were gone, and the tracks were really hot, like something had gone oh, by. Wow. When we saw the pennies were gone, we got even more freaked out, and my one friend turned around and said, get back to the car now. And right as she said that, she dropped to the ground and looked up towards where the car is, and there was some guy on a horse. Literally at the top of wow. the hill... In the moonlight, you could hear the horse sniffing, his nose in the air, and the thing was huge, even way up there. I said, uh, I don't know, this is a, this is a misprint, I can't quite read it. Uh, I took off running okay. and the car it, toward the car, and everyone else followed me, and we left as fast as we could. That was pretty much that, and all I could think afterwards is we, we must have really messed with some spirits that night, because we were chanting stupid crap. So that's... <laughs> my friend Katie's story about wow yeah i actually hadn't read that last part regarding the <laughs> the uh the horse i, I uh-huh. missed that i stopped at the train um so um and that's an awesome story i should have had around to tell that story honestly yeah that's really good yeah um and there's if you look online you can find all kinds of accounts like this there's all sorts of stories and and videos there's a few different videos about rogues hollow um but honestly i would really recommend anyone within driving distance stop by and visit because it it is a really cool spot and just if you're into local history there the chidester mill is actually a museum um it's closed right now but the due to the the coronavirus regulations and stuff but um but there's a museum in there, a historical museum that gives you all the background of the area. So I'm really looking forward. As soon as that place opens, I'm going uh, to check it out. And I want to do another episode about this because I feel like there's a lot more to this. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. I think we should do a little field trip. Or a field trip. Be, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. would be fun. Yeah. Um, d- d- anything else you want to add about Rogue Sala here? Oh, well, you know, the did you do... Crybaby Bridge. Were you there? Yeah, I get okay. So I guess I got to mention the Crybaby Bridge. It's probably the most famous piece of Rogue's Hollow history, and you probably have some background on that. So, um, so Crybaby Bridge is this is the most famous Crybaby Bridge in Ohio. I read somewhere online that it's the most famous Crybaby Bridge in the United States because it might be the one that originated the the legend. Now. The weird thing about this crybaby bridge is it is minuscule. I mean, it is a tiny bridge. Uh, It's a few feet long, and the water below is not even two feet deep. I mean, it is very, it was not what I was expecting uh, when I hear crybaby bridge. There is another crybaby, crybaby bridge in Canal Fulton nearby that is also fairly well known. But this supposedly is a really popular 
crybaby bridge. Um, and suppose there's two variations of the story. One is that a family in a car drove off the bridge one night and drowned. I'm not sure how you drowned in two feet of water, but they drove off the bridge. Honestly, I don't even, I mean, if the car would probably sit over the, you'd have to really hit the water at a very specific angle to die in that water is all I know. Um, Mm -hmm. so that's one variation. And what you hear is that, you know, the family was three, a mom, a dad, and a baby. The baby is what you hear. The other is that a, uh, a lady who actually lived in the mill, uh, was pregnant. Um, when she had the baby, she took it down and dropped it in the water because she didn't want to be a mother. Um, and the mill also has a ghost. And then there's another, uh, sorry to get off the crybaby bridge, but there's something I read that I need to find more information on. But supposedly there's a guardian of the bridge who is bigger than a man. And all you ever see is his silhouette, which is interesting because most crybaby bridges happen in conjunction with Bigfoot stories. And I'm wondering if this is a Bigfoot story. Um, I found one reference to it online. I couldn't find anything else, but it was supposedly a, a huge hulking form that hangs out near the bridge. Who's supposedly the guardian of the bridge. So, so anyway, the, the crybaby bridge. Yeah. You go, you go there at midnight and you'll hear the, the baby crying under the bridge. Um, I was there at 11 PM. I didn't hear anything, but I was there an hour early. Um, but we've walked over this bridge a few times and it's, uh, it is not what you're expecting from a crybaby bridge, but there it is. That's probably, and it's funny, I left that out completely because that's by far the most famous of the legends that, that are connected with Rogue's Hollow. Do you have information on that bridge at all? Well, see, here's the thing. The more you go looking, the more variations there are mm-hmm. on an origin story. Okay. Because the one that I, the one that I heard was much like the first one that you said mm-hmm. about the car, except it was a horse and carriage. Mm-hmm. So it takes it back in time even more. Yeah. So it's the, the carriage that goes off the bridge on an icy night. Mm-hmm. The mother dies instantly. The baby survives for a little while, which is even more, yeah, you know, ghoulish. Okay. And then, yeah. um, variations on the um, pregnant mother who doesn't want the child, you know, and that. So from a folklore folklore standpoint, it's just very rich with variations. Mm-hmm. And trying to get back to what you know, what is the real original story? I think would be interesting work because yeah. it, you're you're cutting through a lot of you know, friend of a friend, and you put one person puts their spin on it, and you know what you end up with is many stories around the original. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that you said that I thought was thought provoking was the idea of a Bigfoot being the guardian. Mm-hmm. of a crybaby bridge mm-hmm. and in just the letter that we read today you know one of the features of the sound that bigfoot makes is the sound like a baby crying yes. so it makes me wonder about those connections they are quite suggestive yeah now the idea that bigfoot would be in this area today is is well i guess it maybe isn't so silly I mean, if you say, you know, if Bigfoot follows the creeks, that's Silver Creek. Silver Creek runs into some pretty isolated areas. I would not say this area is isolated or rural by any stretch of the imagination. It's pretty well developed. I mean, it's it's where it is. It's uh, you know, there might be some pockets of woods, but you're not going to find anything too deep. So uh, great. I, lo- I love this stuff. And I've been for the last like two, three weeks, I've been kind of pouring over any 
any Rogue's Hollow history I can find. And we've gone back there. I think I've been back there five or six times now. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I was just there two nights ago filming. So it's a it's a really cool spot. Can't recommend people stop by there enough. But you're right. We're going to have to make a, a road trip down to, yeah. down to Rogue's Hollow. Maybe even do some video or something. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a fan of the show, you can leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Uh, and you can send us mail of your own to monsteropolismail at gmail.com. Uh, I think that's it for this week's show. We'll be back next week and we'll try to get the sound back to where, where it was. I'll figure something out. So, all right. Thanks for listening. Peace. Monsteropolis is proudly presented on Wadsworth Community Radio 97.1 FM or streaming live at wadsworthcommunityradio.com. It is proudly underwritten by Thurber's Jewelers on the Square in downtown Wadsworth. <laughs>